Assalamu alaikum everyone. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. My name is Sayyid Muhammad Allah and joined with me today is my dear brother Sayyid Muhammad Jawad Qazwini. I'd like to welcome you all to the sixth episode of the Qazwini Brothers podcast. Uh, first, we'd both like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the positivity you guys have been showing us, for the appreciation, and we appreciate everyone who's been following us. I know I've been enjoying doing this podcast. I'm sure you have as well. Um, today we're gonna talk. We'll, we'll be talking about books. Uh, basically, in an age where screens rule everything, we're all digitalized. Our whole life is based on screens and TVs and phones. Uh, we want to talk about the importance of picking up a book and and uh, the benefits to that. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, respected brothers and sisters. I also begin in the name of Allah, the gracious, the most merciful. Um, and welcome back to another episode of our show. Um, I definitely want to say that this could be one of the most life-changing uh, decisions that one person can make. Uh, whether to have a relationship with books or not, uh, to basically be someone who is uh, always friendly with books. You know, um, I think a, a, a human's best friend is a book, or his books is his library. If uh, you know, if if you decide to make this change within your life, then uh to basically begin reading and stay reading i think this is the greatest decision one person can make mm -hmm. it will have unbelievable impact on a person's life um, and avoiding reading could be the biggest mistake a person can can make as well so right. in fact uh one of the most important episodes one of the most important topics that we have chosen to discuss could be this one okay yeah, um, that sounds like we have a good discussion in store today. We're going to be going over these main points tonight. Um, we're going to talk about why we should read books. We'll talk about how to start reading and to stay reading. We'll talk about uh, the relationship between scholars and books. We're going to talk about how, um, you know, what books are beneficial. Is any book a good book? And then we'll talk about our favorite books and how we like to read and stuff like that. Um, according to a Pew Research poll, 27% of U.S. adults, uh, you know, Pew did a research poll and asked people if they read a book in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. And 27% of people that were polled said, no, we hadn't read a book in the last 12 months. Um, of those people who hadn't read a book, over 36% of them only had an annual income of $30,000 a year. And 8% of them had an annual income of over $75,000 a year. So basically the ones that read made more money. Um, and that's not really what we're trying to say here, but that, that's just a little bit of insight to show, you know, reading goes hand in hand with success. So what are, why is it important for us to read? Why should we read books? First of all, let me say this, that um, I believe uh, Islam does not require only from the Muslim community to be 
uh, a community that prays and fasts and performs the pilgrimage and is uh, always involved in you know acts of worship mm -hmm. Islam is a religion that first and foremost requires the Muslims to be aware mm -hmm. uh, to be educated to be alert um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, makes that clear throughout the Holy Quran. I can quote many verses for you. For example, the most famous verse in the Holy Quran, Ayatul Kursi in Surah Al Baqarah, says, Allah waliyu ladina amanu yukhrajahum min al-dhulumati ila nur. Allah takes out the believers from darkness into light. Now, this does not mean He literally. Uh, drags them right. and puts them in, in, in a different scenario, which is an enlightened one. Mm -hmm. No, this means that through the religion of Islam, uh, people are more aware. People are not confused, but they are certain. Mm -hmm. People are educated. They are not ignorant. How so? Through the religion of Islam, through the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. In fact, this is what Fatima al-Zahra, salatullahi alayha, emphasized on in her khutbah of Fadiq after the demise of Rasulullah in her very famous khutbah when she was surrounded by the woman of Bani Hashim and she then went into the masjid of Rasulullah and there was Abu Bakr and Umar and the rest of the companions Al-Muhajireen, Al-Ansar, the immigrants, the indigenous people of Medina and she gave a prolonged sermon about how her right of fedek was usurped. Now, this sermon is not something that is uh, that could be denied by anybody because the language, you know, if you if you doubt the fact that the sermon exists or it actually was indeed said by Fatima Zahra, one can go and read the sermon and determine from the language that this has got to be the language of the Ahlul Bayt. Because the way they spoke, nobody else was able to do so. Anyhow, there is a segment in, in this sermon that says, You Arabs, you the people of the Arabian Peninsula, weren't you the ones that were killing one another for a thousand years? with no peace amongst you and wasn't my father the one that turned you into brethren so remember this great blessing from Allah unto you right. uh, so and she reads this she read this ayah that remember a day that you were enemies killing one another. And now with the blessings of Iman and the religion of Islam, you've turned into brother. Mm -hmm. Then she reminds them that you were the ones that, excuse me for saying this, you used to urinate on yourself standing. Right. Basically, they did not even have the discipline of using bathrooms, uh, avoid, you know, going to, to a corner. They would just right. stand and, and, and get the job done right there. Um, they would, you know, create their gods out of dates. And then eat them. And then eat them. So she says, basically, you were uneducated, ignorant people. This is why the pre-Islamic era is called Al-Jahiliyyah. Jahiliyyah literally means ignorance. They would bury their daughters too. They would bury their daughters alive. And so Islam came and changed all of that with giving them awareness. Now... How do we gain insight and awareness today in, in the world today where we live, how we live? The way to do that is to read books, to be educated. Right. 
Um, and, you know, I believe that a community that does not read, a community that is uneducated, is indeed a dead community. Definitely. And a community that reads and seeks education and is aware is a vibrant community. Is a community right. that can face the challenges of time. It is a community that can give prosperity to their children, to their family. But a community that doesn't read mm -hmm. uh, then is a community that will always be controlled, that will always be told what to do, even if it's controlled remotely. Right. Just look at the Muslim world today. Are they importing goods or are they the exporters of good? Mm -hmm. Obviously, they are the importers from the cars to the microwaves to the clothes to everything, all the technology, to the phones they use, to the TVs they use, to the computers they use, to every, so the, the weapons they buy to defend themselves, every single element of their life is important to them. Right. This tells you that we don't have, we are not equipped enough to be the exporters to the rest of the world, and we don't even have enough to develop that which, that which you know, the things that we need. Right. And why is that? That is because there is a huge lack of education. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a problem with the educational system. And, uh, and if we want to change that, then we have to be the ones that will host the best of universities, best of colleges, um, the best of authors, the best of professors, the best of thinkers. Once they are part of the Muslim community, whether they are you know, in the West or in the Middle East, then you will see a great uh, change. And that is why when you see that, you know, there are scholars, there are major scholars that come, uh, you know, into a community, the whole community changes. Right. At faith, it changes the fate and the face of the entire community. And once, unfortunately, uh, the community has no scholars, then you find that community to be extremely shallow. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a point that I'd like to make right here and right now. Uh, communities in America today, communities in the western part of the world today, are in need of several things. Very important things. One of the most important things is they have mosques. I don't think any community in America today lacks a physical building. Mm -hmm. Most of them are also owned. Right. So you'll have, you know, a doctor, a physician, a couple of business owners in the community that will say, you know what, yes, we need a mosque to, you know, gather once a week, twice a week. They'll pitch in and they'll buy something for half a million, one million, three million. Uh, and that's a physical location. But that physical location will be empty of scholars, will right. be empty of a resident scholar, somebody who's going to enlighten them in terms of their religion. And that is... Just like having a hospital without a doctor, you know, I don't care how beautiful it is. At the end of the day, it's not going to get the job done. Right. Um, and the job of a masjid is to educate the Muslim community on Islam. Mm -hmm. Because that is the primary reason why Rasulullah was even sent as a prophet. Also, if they have a resident alim, and if they have a masjid and a physical location, they are in need of libraries and a librarian. You know, uh, in the episodes that we did, the animated cartoons, where, where we try to basically focus on areas where the Muslim community needs to change, called Time for Change. Um, 
there was a, a segment that I really liked that said, you know, I am speaking to somebody and he and I tell him to extend the library and he says, well, we extended the kitchen. Right. We don't have to, we don't have space for classrooms in a library, and that is the situation in many of those of the Islamic centers. Mm -hmm. They're extending the kitchen, the cafeteria, the food, the food area, the the area where we consume food, and then there is no space for a library. The most important thing in an Islamic facility is indeed the library. Yeah, I've seen libraries too, unfortunately, at some masajid that the books, you know, plenty of books, just sitting there gathering dust. Yeah. No one really goes and grabs a book, um, and they're they're there for free, or some of them you could purchase. It's not that expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. The most expensive book you'll buy is like 20, 40, 50, but uh, there's no price on knowledge. Um, to me, I see the importance of reading books is for us to learn, obviously, gaining knowledge. That's one. That's the biggest factor. Um, when it comes to reading books, why should we read a book? You know, like, for example, someone might uh, recommend you a book and you might not like that book. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, you might recommend that person mm -hmm. a book um, and they might not like it. Why is it important for us to do our own reading and not depend maybe on listening to a speech or um, things in, in that nature? Okay, so um, the difference between, I think, uh, people getting knowledge at first hand mm -hmm. uh, versus knowledge from someone, someone else is... Um, you know, it's a it's a huge difference, and, right. uh, and I I can draw this picture for you. You see, um, if I were to give twenty people an article, a book, uh, a magazine, and tell them to read something out of it, mm -hmm. and those people have you know their own impressions, their own backgrounds, uh, uh, so they will understand that essay or that article or that book differently. Mm -hmm. And once they retell their story, they, you know, each person has their own way of articulating a message. So between how they've picked it up and how they've understood it and how they're going to tell it, some things will change. Right. And once you read a book yourself, once you experience that firsthand, then you are the person who evaluates that knowledge, right. who then decides, you know, um, what to get out of that book and how much to get out of the, of that book at first hand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for how long will we depend on other people? For how long will we depend on speakers and scholars and professors and other people to gain knowledge and give us that knowledge, you know? Right. At the end of the day, nobody's going to be able to read all the books and gain all knowledge. So you will always depend on other learned people. But I think that uh, you know, uh, that has really spoiled many people knowing that, you know, they can just go into a lecture and just listen to it or, or YouTube something and, right. and you know, they don't then have to work hard for themselves. Right. Um, so it creates a sense of laziness and then they'll just never become people who read. Yeah. Listening to a speech, obviously about a book or someone could synthesize 20 books for you, but that's based on their bias, their worldview. Definitely. Um, when it comes to reading, picking up a book, some people have a hard time starting. I, I've heard many people say like, you know what? I only read when it's for school. I never read. I hate reading. I'll only read if I'm forced to read. 
So I kind of want to ask, how, how do you think we could change that in someone? How do you think someone could pick up a book, start reading, and basically stay reading? That way they don't just read. Yeah, so I wrote a couple of tips yesterday or last night before mm -hmm. I went to bed. And I can share that with, uh, with the viewers. Yeah. Uh, some tips that I believe will, will help them uh, pick up a book, uh, start reading, and then and continue to read. Right. Uh, so I think that you have to be practical in, in setting those goals, you know. Mm -hmm. Some people will get excited and they'll go and they'll, they'll pick up a huge book and they'll say, I'll finish this in two days. Um, if you're just a beginner, that's likely, yeah, it's likely it can happen, but uh, how likely is it? Not very likely. If mm -hmm. you're not used to reading, then, you know, obviously your eyes are going to get tired, your brain is going to get tired, uh, you're probably not going to enjoy it after a while. Right. So it's, it's practice, you know, it comes with practice, but uh, if you're used to reading, then, you know, 25 pages, 30 pages, 50 pages is is a norm for you 60 right. pages is a norm for you uh, and uh, you know then you don't have to struggle so number one set special goals for yourself mm -hmm. don't say that in the next week I'm gonna be reading one book no say today I'm going to be so every day I'm going to be reading 20 to 30 pages uh, and make sure you do that. You know, right. once you have a specific goal in mind and you're saying, you know, in the next year, I'm going to be reading 25 to 30 pages a day. And, you know, in the, in the following year, you can make that 50 pages a day. Um, but make sure you meet that goal every single day. You can divide that into two segments, one in the morning, one in the night. And, uh, but make sure you get it done. That will put you into at least one, one book a week. You know, uh, depending on it, you'll average one one book a week. You'll you'll average about fifty books, more or less, uh, right. a year. So uh, you know that that is a, that's an amazing number. So that's one that's one way to basically get people to uh, start reading mm -hmm. and stay reading. Um, I think a good time to read is after exercising. People usually um, are much more alert. They mo they feel much fresh. They feel much fresher. They feel fresh. They feel good. Right. They feel alert after they exercise in the morning. So uh, the, I think the best time to read is you know if you wake up, you know go out exercise, do a quick jog or whatever it may be. Come back. You know uh, have your breakfast. Take a shower. That then will be the best time for you to start reading. Your body and your mind will be alert, um, and you'll enjoy that reading. And once you enjoy it and you learn from it, then you will. It'll be an incentive for you to continue. Number three is do not get distracted when you read. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're not being distracted by your phone, especially. Yeah, just lock that phone away uh, so somewhere. Put it away. Or, yeah, put it away. Uh, if a twenty-five. Pages to 30 pages take you one minute each and then, you know, make sure that phone is away for 30 minutes, yeah. 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Nothing is going to happen in those 45 minutes. Yeah, Bill Gates isn't going to be calling. <laughs> Even if he does, you know, if you're important enough that he's calling you, I'm sure he's going to leave his number or call right. you back. So, uh, you know, make sure that if you're in public, you're not somewhere where you're easily distracted by your mm -hmm. phone, by a TV or whatever it may be. Um, 
Number four, this is, this is really good advice, uh, is do it before or after you get busy during the day. Right. So before you leave the house, before you go to work, when you're in the train, uh, whatever it may be, do it before you get busy mm -hmm. or after you're busy, not during your peak hours of, for example, doing something where you're mentally very occupied. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's in the middle of work and you have people getting in and out of your office, uh, if it's in the middle of, of you doing something, then your mind is going to be so scattered, you won't be able to focus on your reading material. Right. So before, obviously, is ideal. After, still better than, you know, when your time, when your, your mind is scattered. Mm -hmm. Fifth advice that I can give is try audiobooks. Right. You know, if you can get yourself to read a whole book, then divide it into segments. Whenever you can read the book, grab the book. Whenever you can't, then continue with the audiobook. Make sure you're meeting your goals. Right. Today, there are many, many ways for you to read an audiobook. You know, there's even an app where you take a picture of the phone, uh, of the book with your mm -hmm. phone, and literally, I'll start reading the book for you. Huh. So there is literally no excuses. Right. All the apps that, you know, the, the, uh, the audiobook apps available um, that will help you. Last is, last advice that I want to give is if you pick up a book, then you don't like it or you don't like the first chapter, second chapter. That could be a problem, you know, people could get discouraged. So I would suggest that people would use Blinkist, mm -hmm. which is an app that summarizes a book in 15 minutes. Obviously, you, it, will do, it will give you literally 5 to 10% to in my opinion of the book. Mm -hmm. um, but it will give you the idea. The bigger picture. If you feel that you you will like this book, then go ahead and, and get yourself the you know the, the full book. Yeah. If you feel that this book is not for you, then you can skip it and go to another book. Right. So that is a way, or for you to read summaries, for you to read reviews, spark notes, wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. uh, try to try to see what's in that book before you kind of go ahead and, and spend. 15, 20 bucks, 12 dollars. Sometimes, you know, you could be spending up to 170, 200 dollars on just a book. Definitely. And, uh, you know, you don't want to leave it, uh, you know, halfway. So, um, uh, and, and, you know, there's always the option of buying used books. There's, uh, you know, the electronic book clubs, joining a book club. Too. A book I'm sure club. someone will just tell you, like, hey, pay the shipping and handling, borrow my book, send it back. If yeah. you know them, yeah. Sure, it's not a big deal. Um, also, I think it boils down to time. You know, some people would rather just be like gaming or watching TV or just chilling on social media rather than like they like the idea of reading a book, right? Reading sounds good to them, but it's just such a drag. Like, oh, I don't want to read. So I think time also um, is a big issue to make it habitual. Um, so, I know, you know I think to, to just to add to that, yeah, I feel like books are are like food, uh-huh, so if you enjoy this meal, 
you're going to eat it, you're going to finish it, and you're probably going to go for seconds. Right. If you don't, then you're going to be like, you know, I've had enough today. I'm going to watch my weight. I'm on a diet. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Right. It makes it easier for you. So if you want to really enjoy books, mm -hmm. then make sure you find your, you know, you find out which kind of books you like. Yeah. What is, what is it that you're interested in? You know, what kind of topics do you enjoy? If you get yourself involved with those books, I am pretty sure that you're going to be reading versus, you know, gaming or, 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 or because you're going to be gaining knowledge. You're gonna, right. If you're a businessman, you're going to be doing business better. Right. If, you are a, if you're a sports fan, you're going to be learning a lot more about the inside of the sport. If you're, you know, a politician, somebody that enjoys politics, reading a book can really change things around for you, right. change your perspective, you know. So it will really give you so much insight that you then want to pursue this. So I think, you know, try to basically get your hands on a book that you like. Mm -hmm. You will enjoy it, I promise. Yeah. I want to talk about, um, you know, our next topic is scholars and, and mm -hmm. books. I remember our grandpa, you know, growing up, our grandpa used to have a library the size of like a small home. Yeah. Um, you know, six, seven years old, I'd walk in there, the librarian, and these shelves would be like 30 feet high. I felt dwarfed in the uh, library, and it seemed like there was thousands and thousands of books when I was that age. Um, and I would just be like, man, he reads all these? I would see him pick out books from every single section of the library. Yeah. And... Um, at that age, I could only pick out the English section books, but there was any kind of book, you know, do-it-yourself book, autobiographies, history books. Um, it was a plethora of different genres. And you're obviously older than I am. There's stories that you know that I don't know, the, you know, maybe special things you want to share with us about yeah, that so library. This li yeah, so, uh, I mean, Ayatollah Khazwani, our grandfather, may Allah prolong his life and protect him, has uh, spoken about this library many occasions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've even done, uh, I think, at least five, six documentaries about him. And in those documentaries, he talks about his books because, you know, there's nothing of value to him in this life. I have really not, never seen him uh, consider something valuable uh, right whatever he owns it's like he he doesn't even refer to it as mine mm -hmm. uh, but the books he really is particular about his books he doesn't want people to touch his books or to mess up his books or to misplace his books because I think the number of books right now are well over 30,000 for in, sure in and he knows exactly where each book is right and he's read every book and sometimes he can even reference whether it's the middle of the book, the, the end of the book, you know, even pages. Bahal al Anwar is 110 volumes and he will literally tell you, if you ask him about a topic, he will tell you in which volume out of the 110 you should be looking for. Uh, so, mashallah, you know, with his memory and, and I'm sure that he uh, refers to those books way too often. Right. And he has the ability to uh, maneuver through his library very easily. But he says that he, uh, he would sleep hungry some nights in Karbala when he was a young man. Uh, because he either had to buy a book that he wanted to read mm -hmm. or he didn't want to sell a book. 
Right. A lot of scholars uh, used to buy books and sell them and buy another one. Because, you know, it was very difficult for them to make ends meet. Right. And, uh, and I think, you know, uh, you know people, people would rather eat Definitely. You know, then keep a book in a library. But the Sayyid said that, you know, he, he grew up, uh, you know, stories are amazing that he, he even says some nights he would, uh, he would not be able to sleep the whole night because of hunger. Uh, but he would rather not sell a book or he would want to go and buy a new book. And he was able to put all this library together. In fact, you know, when he went to exile in different parts of the world, he took this library with him, and yeah. the last place which he was in, which he settled in, was Los Angeles, California. Right. And he had moved the majority of this library to California, <clears throat> and obviously when he moved to Karbala, he moved and shipped the only thing that he took with him were his books, mm -hmm. and uh, alhamdulillah, they're with him now in Karbala, and he really enjoys books. Uh, that's you know that's uh, that's a first-hand experience we've had right with yeah USA. if he's if he's not lecturing you know he's either reading spending some time with family but his <coughs> most of the greatest passion is yeah books. his greatest passion really is reading um, yeah it's awesome uh, what about a few other scholars I know say Marashi uh, Najafi has a wonderful story as well about so Sayyid al-Ashi Najafi has the largest library in Qom, personal library. Uh, I mean, that library is huge. Mm -hmm. I would say hundreds and the hundreds of thousands of books. And obviously he was a grand marja in the city of Qom. Right. And uh, he, was, uh, he was a book collector, basically. He would collect books and he would keep them as a primary reference. Because, you know, a lot of books... They're not printed in mass numbers. So right. whatever was not available in the market, he would make sure that, you know, one of those books or copies is in his library. And, you know, he has Sunni books, Shia books, Islamic books, non-Muslim books, um, all sorts of books, you know, in his library. It's in the holy city of Qom. And they say that Sayyid Mar Ashi Najafi, uh, may Allah, uh, send Rahmah to his grave, he has an amazing story. Mm -hmm. They say that he had a bowl in his room and this bowl was uh, dirty and you know it looked like it was you know, just contaminated. contaminated. <laughs> and he would keep that throughout his all, all his years being in Qom, just a normal student all the way until he became a marja and then he became the grand marja. Right. This would be right there. So another marja says, I asked him, what is this, what's the story of this bowl? Every time we come, it's somewhere in your, in your main room. He said, this bowl reminds me of who I was and my struggles until I got to where I am. He says, in a period of time, subhanAllah, look at the value of our ulama and the, 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 the value they gave to knowledge. He says, at a point in time, I would have to use this bowl to go and dig up trash, mm. find food. I would put it in this bowl, I would come and wash it in this bowl, and then I would boil it, and then I would eat it. But I would rather do this than sell my books, than give up on my books. Which is an unbelievable story of jihad, 
of struggle fi sabilillah. Another marja, I was reading his memoirs, he speaks of his father. And he says that, you know, his father was also a, a, a person who wasn't, you know, financially doing well. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, when, when the whole family would go hungry for like two, three days, then my mom would say, Sayyid, you know, the kids are hungry. You got to sell one of your books right. and, 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 and we got to feed the kids. And he would then give this book to the marja and say, son, go and sell this book and, uh, and, 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 uh, and bring some, some money. And he said, you know, as soon as I, get, I would get to the door of the house, he would call me back and say, come back, I'll figure out another way. Um, this tells you that, you know, scholars were so attached to knowledge, right. so attached to what was in those books. They valued knowledge so much. Uh, money was worthless to them. Money, if it can bring you knowledge, if it can bring you uh, the forgiveness of Allah, if it, if it can bring you happiness to your family and to your folks and your loved ones and right. your friends, that is then worth it. But if you're just collecting it, you know, what, what would be the use of money? Yeah. Then you are the protector of money, not, not the other way around. That's, uh, that's true. Um, I know... For example, in a, in a library with 100,000 books or 200,000 books, there has to be maybe one book that... Because uh, when I think of it, I think of, are all books beneficial to read, right? Is it is it beneficial for me to sit here and read maybe a Harry Potter novel or a, a comic book or a sci-fi novel? Um, I know personally, I feel cheated at this point in my life, you know, growing up in, in grade school, I'd read, the majority of my reading was novels, and that helped me with my grammar and maybe expanding my imagination, but now I feel almost cheated if I'm reading a novel. Not to say all novels are not good, yeah. you know, one of the best books I read, Kite Runner, mm -hmm. um, is a novel, but are all books good books or worth reading in that? Uh... You know, to, to be honest with you, is uh, this is a very subjective question. Right. Um, I don't know uh, how to answer what is good. You know, is it good as in you will gain something from it? Is it good as in it will increase in your vocab? Is it good as in... I think for each age group, mm -hmm. uh, what's good can be defined differently, you know. Right. If you're a teenager, if you're a child, then I think imaginary books, uh, uh, basically fiction, can can be helpful. Right. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll teach them a few things here and there. Um, and once you grow up, you shouldn't be reading fiction. You shouldn't be reading comic. You should be reading nonfiction. You should be reading things that will increase in your ability and, and, and to judge things, to... To, to evaluate things right. it will uh, it should have it should increase in your general knowledge make you a smarter person more intellectual person um, so definitely I mean I would recommend it for adults mm -hmm. there's also a subject of uh, of how fiction has uh, has influenced the world globally right um, well, that's a very prolonged topic, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, fiction has also created the wrong belief for so long mm -hmm. that for now, it's almost become part of what people believe in. Right. Uh, because it's been said and done over and over and over for many years, 
and it starts with you when you're a kid and it continues to, 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 to basically influence you once you're an adult that it almost becomes part of an inseparable nature of human beings um, mm -hmm. that basically read nonfiction, uh, yeah. read fiction. Reading is better than not reading, but Absolutely. sometimes it's, you know, you want to pick the right thing to read. Absolutely. Um, our next point that we're going to be talking about is our favorite books, uh, how we like to read, what kind of books we're reading right now, maybe some tips we could help people um, to read and stay reading. So let's start off with what, what books are you reading currently right now? Uh, I personally finished a couple of books. Uh, you know, with the COVID, alhamdulillah, I've been able to, um, you know, there's more time to read. Yeah, read more books for sure. So a couple of interesting ones I read. I recently read uh, Michelle Obama's memoirs. Right. I'm not saying it was the greatest book. Is that her autobiography? Yeah, her autobiography, uh, right. which uh, you know talks. You know, for me, the interesting part was uh, Barack Obama's early character. Right. Uh, when he was. Uh, when he was a young man, you know, he had taken some years off uh, school, mm -hmm. and then he goes back into law school. She had graduated law school before him, uh, and then you know how he was able to build his career, how he was able to influence other people around him. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a point in the book where she says uh, attorneys would ask this law student for help. Wow. Um, yeah. So he was a brilliant man, dedicated man, and you know, obviously, he was able to get himself into the oh, White wow. House. Yeah. That was a, an interesting book for me. I also read a book called The Educated, mm -hmm. which is the, it's, it's about a life of a, of a woman uh, that comes from a very strict Mormon family. And uh, basically her father is somebody who had brainwashed them uh, with, uh, you know, their religious uh, dogmas where they, they believed that, you know, he kept telling them that uh, they they basically as women should just stay at home cook and clean right they should not pursue education um, you know another thing she encounters is that her father does not believe in universities uh, he says this is where you know people will get brainwashed and go astray from God right uh, they would not go and see a physician physicians wow. were also you know uh, the devil uh, so they would only use um, herbal medication that they created. So imagine a girl growing up in this environment. Right. Then she basically goes to college and works her way all the way to a PhD mm -hmm. uh, from prestigious schools. And uh, uh, you know her 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 conflict with her father, with her parents, with her family, with her village, but how she was able to basically get herself a PhD. Right. Uh, that was an inspiring story for me. Um, I also read, uh, because I, I like politics. Right. Uh, so I read, I recently read another book called uh, The Road to Unfreedom. Mm -hmm. It's about um, Putin and, and you know, uh, Russia and American relations and what have you. Sounds interesting. Should I go on? Or um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I read another, I mean, uh, Yuval Harari is, uh, yeah. is definitely one of the best authors out there right now. I read all his books. Right. 
and uh, I think he has some really, really amazing ideas mm -hmm. um, that are interestingly uh, very relevant, relevant to yeah. what's happening to our, our, our world today. So, I mean, you, you will never run out of amazing books, literally. You'll never run out of amazing books. That's how a book can sell 80 million copies. You know, some books, how is it that some books can sell 80 million copies? You know, uh, the bestseller of all time, 500 million copies, 200 million copies, 120 million copies, 49 different languages, things like that. That tells you there's got to be something in that book. Right. I don't know about those people who didn't read a whole book for 12 months, for a whole year. That's right. just awful because, you know, you, you're missing out on, on, on a lot of information. Yeah. It, I, I've read those Yuval Harari books, 20, mm -hmm. uh, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Um, he has a book, Homo Deus, uh, The History of Man. He's brilliant, you know. Obviously, I don't agree with everything yeah, he yeah, says. Absolutely. I'm sure you don't either. Course, but yeah. he even has TED Talks and stuff. I urge everyone to read about what he thinks um, about artificial intelligence and AI. Yeah, so inshallah, we have a, a topic that right. we will be talking about artificial intelligence down yeah. the list. We'll, we'll focus on some of the things that he has said. And then I will, I, I don't want to say I would disagree because I think he's a, he's a brilliant mastermind. Right. when it comes to that particular uh, field. Right. Uh, so I can't really say I, but I, I would have a different opinion. Right. And There's I, a few holes in the argument we can, uh, yeah. we can talk about. I'm currently reading a book by Leslie Hazelton called After the Prophet. Mm -hmm. And I'm also reading a book called Yemen Endures. It's about mm -hmm. the trials and tribulations that Yemen is going through right now. Mm -hmm. And um, one book I'm really anticipating, it should be coming out, um, you know, pretty soon. It's a book called War in the Age of Trump. It's by my favorite author, Patrick Coburn. I hope everyone looks into him, too. He's a phenomenal journalist and author. And um, one of my also all-time favorite books is American Crescent. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a wonderful book, too. Um, I think we kind of wrapped it up on a... We'll take Talk some about the American Crescent because I yeah, think so a lot of people. The American Crescent is is the book written by our uncle, um, and I'm not just plugging this. I don't have stock in the, you know, book, I, um, but I actually learned a lot of stuff from our family that I didn't I like even know. Too, yeah, you know, exactly. and it's like a novel. Um, it walks you through the life of a, a, an imam of a masjid and a scholar and his trials and tribulations, what he went through. Um, throughout his whole life and how he basically lived in the United States and um, it's a wonderful book I recommend it's it's an easy read I think everyone should that's interested in it and that kind of topic everyone should uh, pick it up and read it that's wonderful very good I hope that this uh, what we have offered today will encourage more people to read uh, yeah. start picking up books hopefully we hyped up our yeah. audience to read, you know? Yeah, I hope so. You know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, Yeah, seek knowledge, well, you know, even if it were for you to travel to China. Right. From, uh, Hopefully that's figurative though, like the, the distance, the distance wise, because yeah, I don't right. think anyone wants to go to China right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> so basically, uh, that's what it meant. It was the farthest place, place. 
for uh, people to go from the Arabian Peninsula. And, uh, you know, the Prophet said, basically, go, go right. for it, go for it to seek knowledge. And today, that has become so accessible, that has become so easy for people to just, right. you know, get on Amazon, get your book, get, you know, get on Kindle, get a book, you right. know, that. it's just so easy. There is mm -hmm. absolutely no excuses. Um, you know, you can buy a book, a used one, resell it to Amazon. I mean, you know, you there's millions of ways for us to stay reading. There's no excuses. I know people who, you know, I've, I've had experience with people who have started reading after a long time. And yeah. it's difficult for them. Right. But my advice to them is to continue. Please continue to read. It's going to be difficult in the beginning. Don't give up. Yeah. It'll be worth it. Yeah, I think one of the questions we had was um, from a sister that said, you know, she used to read all the time mm -hmm. and loved reading and she she's a mother now and I very see. busy okay. um, and doesn't really have that much time to read other than, you know, here and there or the books she reads to her children. Uh -huh. So what are a few tips to, for her maybe to, to help her out? Well, you know, I think I gave all the tips that I know out yeah. today about books, but I would suggest that after she, uh, you know, does her morning prayers or after she sends her kids to school, I don't know what their age is. Right. Even if it's 15 minutes. Right. If it's 15 minutes and she's reading 10 to 15 pages a day, that's going to add up. Yeah. Every 10 days, she's going to be almost... I think audiobooks too, in her yeah. situation. Absolutely. You know, when she's driving her kids or... Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think I think I. I oh, did you tell any, uh, uh, our audience that um, you know we had a problem with YouTube? Yeah, so we we had a little issue with running into um, an issue live streaming on YouTube. We wanted to use a OBS platform to basically stream. It didn't work out as well as we wanted. That's why I really, really would appreciate it if um, you guys go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way we get a thousand subs and we can stream way easier off mobile devices or any other devices. Um, I'd like to just thank everyone for all the uh, you know support they've been showing us. We've been having a really good time with the podcast. We've been receiving very good feedback. Um, if you guys have any critiques, criticisms, let us know that as well. We want to get better. Um, and we appreciate everyone that's been, been following us. Please keep us in your du'a and Ramadan. Pray for this COVID-19 to end. And uh, thank you all so much. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Inshallah, we will see you not tomorrow, but the day after. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.